Hello, everyone, and welcome to another exclusive podcast from Pituitary World News. I'm Jorge Fascinetti. Today, I am very pleased to welcome Leslie Edwin, President of the Cushing Support and Research Foundation, or CSRF. We caught up with Leslie a few months ago and had a great chat about the challenges and opportunities for Cushing patients and advocates. We also talked with Jerry Brown, a Cushing's patient who had just joined the CSRF support group and gave us a very interesting patient perspective. The CSRF is a fantastic comprehensive resource for patients with Cushing's seeking support and more knowledge about their disease. Here's our chat. Welcome, Jerry and Leslie, to the Petitary World News Podcast. I'm really delighted to having you here today. And I know we've been trying to get together for a while to chat about Cushing's and about the CSRF, the Cushing Support and Research Foundation, that you are both members. And why don't you tell me a little bit about the CSRF and what do you guys do? Um, CSRF was founded in 1995, so we're coming up on 30 years. Um, it was started by two patients. Um, it's grown to a membership of about of, of several thousand. Um, we have a broad scope of things we do. Um, we partner with various stakeholders, um, including some of the doctors on our medical advisory board to pair patients um, to share their experience uh, on research and ad boards, things like that. We offer a lot of peer support. Um, we get a lot of emails and phone calls from patients in various stages of their um, diagnostic journey. Um, we try to highlight the quality of life issues that seem to persist for Cushing's patients. Mm-hmm. Um, we also uh, attend conferences, uh, we attend the sessions, and we also have a booth in the expo. So we get a lot of networking done with doctors um, across the board, ones who have heard of it, never diagnosed it, and some doctors that work in specialized centers and see dozens of patients a year. So we try to cover a lot of categories. Yeah. Leslie, and your role is uh, as a president, right? Yes. Yeah. And Jerry, what, what is your role at the CSRF? Well, basically, I'm, I'm a patient who's oh, passionate about the advocacy of, of the Cushing's, um, you know, syndrome and, and disease, as it's called. So I reached out to Leslie, I want to say it was probably 18 months, maybe two years ago, was, you think it was longer than that? COVID um, time, you know how it is. Yeah, it, it was a while. <laughs> On my own personal journey, trying to figure out, um, I had surgery back in 2017. So it brought me to doing my own due diligence, looking for some other answers, because apparently they didn't, quote, get it all out of my pituitary. So I've been kind of considered a persistent Cushing's patient at this yeah. point in time. And Leslie, uh, I sent her a pretty detailed email just kind of explaining where I was and and that I was very passionate about creating some kind of an awareness. You will have a very interesting perspective, uh, you know, from somewhat of an outsider as a patient that is looking for today for support. And you obviously found the CSRF to be a, uh, a, a uh, somewhere where you can uh, get the information that you needed. You know, timing is everything. And I think the Leslie was in the midst of um, while we were dealing with COVID too. So things have kind of 
you know, threw everybody off, but from a scheduling standpoint of certain conferences that were going to be made available that turned into Zoom or whatever. Leslie, let's let's talk about that a little bit from a from an administrative standpoint of a an advocacy group like yours. Where do you see the challenges today? And obviously COVID has been, you know, a time when you can't have these meetings in person and people seem to be eager to connect and, and you know, seek support. Uh, do, how, how, does, how do you see the advocacy world in general and where, the, where are the challenges? Um, one of the main challenges I feel like we face is just there's so many things that could be done right now. feels like there's a spotlight shining on Cushing's right now. Uh, yes. I'm not sure if it's the, the understanding of patients, the quality of life issues that persist, um, people are getting interested in that, or there seems to be a shift to including the patient voice um, mm. in all levels of like clinical trial development and drug development. So that could be why also more interest from FDA and others like that in rare diseases. So we might be benefiting from a, a little bit of a shift to valuing uh, patient involvement and voice more, mm -hmm. um, especially in rare diseases. So um, I'd say one of the challenges is just that we have a lot of opportunities to do a lot of things. We just don't have enough human resources to take care of them yet. And we are still kind of, we're still a small group of people um, running CSRF. Yeah, and so your, your group is 2,000 plus uh, members? We have about 3,000 members. 3,000? Yes, uh, yeah. active, um, yes, active members. We've, uh, yes. Yeah. I, do you see, uh, and Jerry, this would be an interesting uh, question for you too, because of the engagement, you know, you obviously were looking to engage with the group. Do you think engagement is an issue? Does he, do you see patients engaging more or less today? I would think that um, patients, Patients' needs are so different. Uh, there's patients that need information, but they don't want to join anything. They just want to read and get the answers that they personally need. For me, being a patient, there was two things. One, I wanted more information, but I definitely wanted engagement. I wanted somebody who's educated, had a, a broader reference um, uh, selection than I would know. And, and when I contacted Leslie, she just was able to help me navigate not only the website, but understanding what other options were out there. I mean, she's just an amazing person that has so much knowledge because of the experience of being as the president. And, and, and in, a, in a situation where I'm at, where I'm in year three, you know, kind of a little frustrated wanting to know, you know, what's coming out what, what are the nuances? What are the things that are coming forward that I'm not aware of that I can jump on sooner? And that takes engagement. I mean, you need to have conversations with people. Some of that information might be available online, but it, to me, it wasn't as a trustworthy resource as it would be talking to an individual that is dealing with this every day. So I felt like, um, you know, the CSRF was my first step, but then I would just because of my nature, I wanted to dig deeper and say, you know, what offerings? So, just on the flip side, as mm -hmm. a personal note, I like to help. And that 
when I realized maybe there's an opportunity from a marketing standpoint or an awareness standpoint to get on a committee that would help enhance this awareness that there, there is a CSRF, you know, whether it's for the doctors or for the patients or whatever strategies we put together. I kind of then felt like I wanted to join the team a little bit and see where that leads. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, what's interesting is when we hear, you know, from not just Cushing's patients, but all the advocacy, you know, in the pituitary space, um, that uh, the, the, the idea of being able to talk to somebody else that's dealing with the same issues becomes really important. Uh, so I'm wondering if there's, if you see any, um, I don't know, opportunities or, um, you know, obviously, Leslie, what you're saying is different people that that uh, uh, need, have different needs mm -hmm. depending on where they are in their disease. Uh, but the, the social part of it is really interesting to me uh, and uh, how just interacting with other people that can relate to what you're going through becomes really important. Uh, I'm interested, Leslie, in hearing from you in terms of, do you hear a lot of that from patients and are there any things that we could be doing from the advocacy standpoint to generate more of that communication between people, do you think? I think that um, over time, it would be good to develop some sort of a platform where people, like maybe verified enrollments, uh, verified patients can communicate uh, with others that they can just know that these are a bunch of people who have a verified uh, diagnosis of Cushing's of some sort. Mm -hmm. So you know that you're in a peer group. Um, it's a little more, um, qualified, I guess, than a Facebook group, uh, which can be helpful, but it can also not be helpful. Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, when we have our in-person conferences, that's one of my favorite things is watching everybody come together. Cause I've, I've had the opportunity myself now several times, but I remember the first time I was in a group of people at a, at a conference, um, and realized that, you know, there's at least 10 or 15 people in here that have had Cushing's and that blew my mind. Um, I think I probably cried. And so that, uh, just to see a lot of people have that chance um, every time we put on a conference, it's not lost. I mean, that's a very valuable part of it because being connected, especially it's very alienating. So yeah. to be in a room with others, who you know, exactly. We can finish each other's sentences. There's no weird, like, mm, you know, misunderstanding. Everybody just gets it. And so yeah. It's a, it's a really good opportunity. And when people call and they're a little hesitant, they might have one question, but then I'll throw in like a personal experience from my life. And then they're like, oh God, yeah. And then it's just like the seal is broken and you know, for the next 90 minutes or whatever it is, you know, we just, we'll just let them talk and then tell my experience too. And then sometimes I, I'm not saying that's all they need, but sometimes in the moment, that's just to get that. It's so validating and yeah. can, well, can be very helpful. I can attest to that because that was my experience with Leslie, you know, on that first phone call that we had. Yeah. And we were able to, you know, go back and forth and, and share those experiences. And it does, it makes you feel, it really does help, you know, a tremendous amount. Leslie, you know, the comment you made about uh, Facebook and uh, groups and the difference between a group that is communicating in Facebook and a group that comes together through Facebook. I don't know if I make this the difference clear, which is one thing is to communicate when, with a group that is you know, scientifically based. And the other one is to have a bunch of people that think they have something, maybe not. Uh, and and uh, 
deliver a lot of misinformation. And it's the misinformation and the disinformation that I, I worry about in, you know, in, uh, in Facebook style discussions. There's, there's a ton of it. We see it all the time and we fight it all the time. So I'm wondering what your uh, perspective is on that. This is one of the biggest challenges I think for patients and the whole community right now is um, the misinformation. Um, I don't even know where to start with this. Uh, I don't really understand why uh, it would ever be a goal of somebody to share misinformation, but I'm past thinking that it's just an honest mistake. Um, I've seen some of our really well-known specialists um, being dismissed as, oh, well, they're not taking new patients anymore. And that's not true. Um, so there is something, right. Uh, what is the goal here? Um, you know, you're supposed to be a support group. You're supposed to be supporting patients to get the right diagnosis. And that just doesn't seem to be what's happening. Uh, we get a lot of patients calling um, that have clearly been on Facebook first um, because they're asking about things that aren't even part of the, the accepted protocol for testing and being diagnosed for Cushing's. Yeah. Um, they, they mention all sorts of strange yeah. things that they are being suggested to be done. So yeah, that's a huge uh, roadblock, I feel like. Yeah. And um, we, we should say that, you know, we say Facebook, but really it's social media in general. Facebook yeah. is just a big piece of it. But uh, yeah, I think it's pervasive. Um, the misinformation issues, not just in the medical world, but everywhere. Mm, and that's yeah. something that, you know, hopefully some sort of regulation will will deal with at least a little bit uh you know who knows <laughs> right. still, yeah jerry do you have any thoughts yeah, on this yeah just a comment because that's pretty much what you get from facebook it's comments you know these comments fly back and forth back and yeah. forth and there's yeah. no validity to these comments it's just somebody decided no, just opinions that's it and and that's that was the difference i mean it when leslie and i were talking about you know how, how do we how do we move forward? Um, and the podcast medium was really the thing that triggered because now we're able to bring in experts and the people can hear it from the expert. They can hear a live case that's been already through, um, I don't know, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, uh, you had said it earlier, Leslie, that validated you know, a patient who's really had the surgery and is, or somebody that's seeking diagnosis and has had one path way that was very helpful, or maybe there's a situation that we bring to the table that wasn't, you know? So I think the podcast medium is gonna be very helpful for this organization. And you know, the challenge is gonna be, again, letting people know it's available, you know? Yeah. Yeah, you know, there's another, there's another thing that uh, is really interesting is which is the tremendous amount of vehicles to inform people and the tremendous amount of information that there is. So getting through becomes a much, uh, you know, daunting uh, job uh, and to get people to, to listen and to participate and to engage. That's why we were, I was asking a little bit about engagement. Uh, and so, uh, so yeah, it sounds like, you know, lots of challenges, but also lots of opportunities. Uh, why don't we talk a little bit about the opportunities that you see coming up for a group of like CSRF. And uh, I find it very exciting when people start thinking about new ways of dealing with the same old problems, you know, and, and looking at problems a little bit sideways to come up, come up with, uh, with a sort of creative new solution. So what, what's your take on that? 
I would say the opportunity I'm most excited about is the creation of a patient registry. It's going to be a little different from what most doctors are familiar with now. And we will have the uh, feature to verify enrollments to ensure that the patients that are in it um, are uh, verified Cushing patients with a diagnosis of endogenous Cushing's. Mm-hmm. Um, but we are going to make a different registry in a way because there's going to be a lot of patient input on that rather than it just being the clinical data that is collected. Our registry will be a way for doctors and researchers to ask slightly different questions. Um, I see it almost like a support to the type of uh, registry data that's currently available because we don't want to reinvent the wheel. I mean, there's already some of that in existence. What we want to do is um, enhance that with some patient, especially quality of life and long-term effect mm-hmm. data, because that's what seems to be affecting us the most was once we have our surgery, it's just sort of, you know, we're done yeah. and, but, but we're never done. Um, there's a lot of things that keep going. And so being able to provide that information straight from the expert source, which is patients, um, so that doctors can look at what they're doing in their data and then look at ours and see how it compares and possibly ask some questions that would be very difficult for them to ask um, based on what they're allowed to do uh, with you know, their institutional IRB, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we've also talked with Dr. Elena Velasi, who is in Spain. Um, she's been very instrumental in bringing Ercusen, which is the European uh, Cushing database, or registry um, to life. And she's gotten a lot of quality of life um, data from that. Mm-hmm. A lot of things that uh, were not yet um, discussed a lot. And so um, when we were talking about the registry, uh, reached out to Dr. Velasi. And one of the things she said before I really even talked about it was, Ercusen's great, but she really does wish there was a way to get patient input into that database as well. Mm-hmm. So I was like, yes, that is exactly what, we're, what we wanna do. And I mean, again, not wanting to reinvent the wheel, providing something extra that doesn't exist right now that I think uh, Cushing's patients feel like might be, you know, a missing piece that's keeping um, doctors from fully understanding the impact of this disease. Yeah, I know, I know Elena Velasi really well. Actually, we've had, we've done uh, a bunch of podcasts with her and I've met her in, in Spain a couple of times. She's terrific. She's done yeah. a lot of great work. So, great. So uh, the, the registry, is that, uh, uh, people are signing up for it or how do you, how do you go about creating it? Um, well, the first, uh, stage was to discuss it with everybody on the team. Um, the medical advisory board had such valuable input, um, to help us not, you know, do something that's already been done and to find the right language, uh, for them to be able to use the stuff, you know, to, to be able to use the data out of the, um, out of the registry. So we've done a lot of talking, um, we've done a lot of presentations, but I think we are uh, just about to be able to sign a, reg- uh, sign a contract with Nord for their I Am Rare platform. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just uh, a few more crossing <laughs> of T's and dotting of I's, I think, to make sure everybody is on board and fully understands what we're doing. Um, but again, this comes back to the human resources. It's just, there's so many other things happening. Like we would love to do the re- registry, but then there's all these steps and we've got to take everybody's schedules into consideration because most people are still on a volunteer basis with CSRF. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say by the middle of this year, um, we should have that signed. I think it'll be sooner than that, but that feels like a safe at the latest um, yeah. And then there's a little bit of development we'll have to do, we'll have to engage in IRB. Um, but according to the timeline, we should be able to start taking enrollments before the end of this year. 
tell the audience what IRB is. An IRB is an institutional review board, and it's essentially an ethics committee. It just makes sure that um, we're we're technically considered a, an investigator, and this is uh, technically a kind of a piece of research. And so there are rights and there are protections for human subjects of all types of research. And so mm -hmm. this is just to make sure we're not collecting inappropriate information and that everything in you know, privacy, HIPAA laws, um, all of those things are um, adhered to. There's also, in, in, instead of just patients just contributing their information and then just going on their merry way, um, once I believe it's once there's 10 patients in the registry, then all patients will have access to pulling um, graphs and data and looking at themselves, comparing themselves to other people in the registry. And it's all de-identified. Nobody's personal information was ever yeah. going to show. It'll just be like these 14 Cushing's disease patients have this you know, percentage and it'll just be a, a real-time interactive thing. So patients will be able to go in there and look at information and farther along in the future plans would be a private uh, forum of some sort where we can communicate with people in a slightly better way um, rather than just using social media. Um, but that's a little down the road. Mm -hmm. um, that sounds exciting. That was really interesting. Uh, you, you have to keep, it posted, keep us posted uh, when you start in the process of, of recruiting people for it or, or signing people up for it so we can, uh, we can help in that. Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. So Jerry, what from a patient's perspective, what is there anything that you would look for as you, let's say, sign up for a registry? You know, definitely would like to know what the criteria would be of the types of things that we are going to be able to plug into. I think also getting the feedback from the people that are in inside of the registry, like how is it working and being able to mold and, and create, you know, something that's really uh, useful for the patient. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I think that's really interesting. I think obviously the registry has a tremendous amount of potential uh, to generate these sort of inside patient issues that are not getting through to physicians or or that, like you were saying, physicians can look into what life of patients look like because mm -hmm. all of this is being discussed within the registry. And I think, I think it's critical that it's done away from social media because that seems to be like the only uh, 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 venue today, you know, where people can do this, have these discussions. And in, in many, many ways it's protected. Uh, looking forward to seeing how it, how it develops. The first time I heard about a registry, it was so over my head. I was like, registry, whatever. It was yeah. just like a group of student uh, patients, whatever. Like it just didn't, it took me years of layer, layer, layer of information. Finally, it was like, oh, I get it. Why this is so important and how we can do something different, you know, in addition to, to mm -hmm. support what's already out there. So how, people so, how do people find you? I would say it's all of the above. There's a lot of yeah. doctors that tell their patients about this. We put our newsletter, um, we send our newsletter to I think almost 50 uh, doctor's offices, mm -hmm. um, multiple copies. Um, so that's the first time a lot of patients hear about CSRF. Um, I think social media and um, a lot of organic, just Google searches will turn up um, our articles and our website um, for a lot of topics um, yeah. that are searched. Word of mouth, um, 
Yeah. yeah. And do you have a sense for why people uh, seek you out or join? Do you get any feedback? Because Cushing's is so bizarre. <laughs> like as soon as you find out about it, you start Googling about it. You know, when you think that that might be what it is and you Google your symptoms and then you hear a brain tumor or tumor, just anything yeah. about a tumor. And then you just start looking for anything you possibly can find. Um, yeah. That's how I found CSRF myself yeah. when I was a patient. Yeah, it is uh, bizarre. It's just a good description. It's it's such a, um, intri- uh, you know, from a sci- science or medical standpoint, it's such an interesting sort of devastating disease. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, what's fi- what I find really interesting is the, the the advances that have happened in 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 understanding Cushing's even in the last ten years, uh, we did a, a podcast with uh, Dr. Blevins and uh, some of the doctors at uh, Corsept running this latest uh, uh, trial that was really fascinating to get the, their perspective on how they see these advances in, in these milestones, you know, in the last 10 years of understanding, Dave. And uh, it'd be interesting to get y- uh, your perspective on that, uh, how, you know, in the time that you've been a patient and dealing in the Cushing's world, how you've seen it sort of evolve. There are a lot of advances. I would say I'm a little uh, disappointed to say that things that I thought needed help 10 years ago when I was first diagnosed, a lot of, some of them are still you know, a fact of life, which is a little disappointing, but um, perhaps this extra focus on quality of life and long-term effects rather than just identify it, treat it, you know, it's more like there's all all these other things that happen, you know, once the cortisol is down, like more focused on that might, might help some of those long-term things I'm talking about, but. So tell um, me about some of the issues that haven't changed. What What are those? Just a long time to a diagnosis, Mm -hmm. um, a lot of bias and uh, dismissal by doctors who think it's something else or who are not willing to test it. Um, The tests are still the same. There hasn't been any real new, uh, you know, diagnostic, although I don't know that there was room a lot to, there's not that many things to take out of your body to test. I think that just the long period of time to diagnosis, um, hearing patients talking about it taking years to get diagnosed, sometimes more than 10 years, uh, that just is the same story today as it was a decade ago. Um, I think it's better because there's more understanding, even though the Facebook groups can be a really negative experience, they are in a way sharing the existence of Cushing's. You know, if somebody thinks they have it, it means they know something about it. Yeah. So Talk is good. In some ways, so, yeah. In some ways, that yeah. knowledge benefits patients. Well, obviously, the more people talk about it, you know, more awareness there is. So that that has a positive effect. Right. Uh, so you know, there are a lot of positives, no doubt. So mm-hmm. I'm interested also in learning your perspective as to why do you think it takes so long to for Cushing's, for that matter, any pituitary disease, not just Cushing's to get diagnosed uh, or recognized, or at least suspected. Mm -hmm. I have this poster that I stare at every day. It's right in front of my laptop (laughs) and it's pituitary disorders symptoms. And it just sounds like a list of complaints, um, non-specific sleeping problems, depression, high blood pressure, diabetes, vision changes, appetite loss, carpal tunnel. It's like, these are all individually taken. They're very common occurrences, um, you could say in some uh, 
developed countries, certain elements of those like diabetes and high blood pressure and obesity are even more prevalent. Um, so I think that must be it. I mean, there's bias, there's embarrassment. Um, I would say, especially like gender bias types of things, mm -hmm. uh, middle-aged women maybe aren't, don't tend to want to go talk to the doctor about these things that are embarrassing. They want to maybe lose 20 pounds before they go talk to the doctor. That's exactly what I did. I, I felt myself gaining weight and getting greasy acne, having insomnia. I was like, let me just, let me just get to the gym really quick before I go to the doctor. Cause I'm yeah. embarrassed, but that's, that's really counterproductive to what totally. they're really supposed to be there to be a tool and to be a partner and helping you and not, not to be a person to be shameful, you know, to be ashamed in front of, there's nothing shameful about anything in your no. body that happens, you no. know, and the sooner, the sooner we could, if the second something started happening, we were just right at the doctor, this is weird. You know, I know this is odd, you know, I think that might help the diagnosis period, but I think, I mean, unless, unless something comes up where it's like, only people with Cushing's have this thing and they can develop a good test for it, then it's always going to be a problem because these non-specific conditions just exist yeah. in multiples usually in almost every person. Yeah. Um, so it just makes it easy to dismiss it or just take yeah. a pill for it. You know, as, as a communications person, I always tend to go to, you know, the awareness solution. It's as if, if you, if there's something in your radar that would trigger at least a suspicion of something, then you would suspect it a lot, a lot. Uh, and maybe there are diagnostic tools that were, you know, a uh, a suspicion of should, you know, something is to suspect this and go run a cortisol test and see, or an IGF-1 in the case of acromegaly or, mm -hmm. or uh, so, uh, you know, we started Pituitary World News with that in, in mind. Can, can you, can we actually do something to shave years of this diagnosis, which, you know, it's eight to 10 years, you know, whatever. It's preposterous. Whatever. One year is preposterous. You know, somebody has to go through these. Things. But I, you know, the, there's no doubt that it's not an easy thing to do. And, uh, but I think uh, with, you know, the work that you do and the work that we do here, uh, I think for every little inch that we can advance, it's, a, it's an advance. And obviously, the opportunity to improve people's qualities of life that would happen when you diagnose somebody early would be uh, would be very beneficial. Uh, yeah, that makes me think of the statement: uh, "Leave it better than it was when you got there." Um, even Absolutely. if it just feels, if it feels like a painful uphill battle, and sometimes I feel like I'm not doing anything helpful at all. I mean, I know I am, but. Sometimes when you, in, you know, you think you're doing so much and then you just see, you know, just setback, setback, and mm -hmm. it's very frustrating, but yeah. even like you said, even just an inch, I mean, if that's, yeah, if that's one, what it takes. You know, one person that you can get diagnosed earlier for whatever reason, for whether it's awareness or you go somebody up and say, hey, I think you should get checked, whatever, whatever it is, mm -hmm. or, the or the patient asking the doctor uh, a question earlier that may tune the, the doctor's into suspecting it. All of that, all of that in aggregate, it's, uh, it's really important. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, just, I, I always think of it in, to use a baseball term, in terms of, you know, they, a bunt here is a home run. We're not, we're not talking about hitting three or four home runs. I think a little bit, a 10% adjustment could have a tremendous amount of impact. And you have to think about, about it in terms of slowly we move forward and slowly we get you know, steps instead mm -hmm. of trying to run through it. 
As a patient, that's so frustrating though, because you're like, I, I oh, this needs yeah. to be fixed. Let's fix this right now. And then no, <laughs> it just it, doesn't work that way. It's not so that easy. No. But, uh, but we are uh, just very happy that there are people like you in the world that are doing all this work and trying to make people, uh, try to make life better for people. So I really, I really appreciate that. Thank yeah, you. Same to you. <laughs> really glad that you guys exist as well. Our thanks to Leslie Edwin and Jerry Brown for taking the time to talk to us. And a quick reminder to join us every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for Live Talk. This is our live talk show style program where we discuss important issues related to pituitary disease. We invite you to join live and call in with your questions and comments. You can get all the details at pituitaryworldnews.org. Thank you for listening.